So Ephesians 3 is my pivotal passage. What Paul is saying is that it takes a multifaceted people to understand God's multifaceted grace. Mm. So for a believer, if I don't care about black history, yeah. if I don't care about the contributions, yeah. forget even the worldly stuff, of black Christians, mm-hmm. I am missing, a, missing here it a is, I'm missing a face yeah. of grace yeah. that I need to comprehend for my yeah. own sanctification. Somewhat anxious, always authentic. This is Real Life Loading. I'm your host, Shelby Abbott, and my desire with this podcast is to help guide you toward the life-changing power of Jesus for relationships in a constantly shifting culture. Well, it's February, meaning that it's Black History Month, and simply put, I wanted to talk about it. So I brought in two of my good friends, pastor and speaker Recap Gray, along with music and content producer Marcus Holt. We sat down for an honest conversation about faith, race, theology, and of course, Black History Month. It was an incredible time with both of them, and I'm going to go ahead and let the conversation do the talking. So let's get into my time with Marcus Holt and Recab Gray. So uh, there's a bit of a cliche that is thrown out there called, uh, it says, Black history is American history. And so the cliche exists for a reason, though, because it's just true. Like, mm-hmm. black history is American history. Often in the past, I would hear black history and just tune out because I'm like, it doesn't apply to me. Up until literally last year when, Marcus, you <laughs> asked me, you as a black man, asked me as a white man, what does Black History Month mean to you? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and I, I stumbled my way through answering that question, kind of bumbled my way through it, but it made me think in ways that I answered honestly with yeah, you. I wasn't so trying to come up with something Tell on me the how spot. you answered it. I basically said, I've never been asked the question before. Nobody has literally, in my 40-some-odd years, asked me, what does it mean to me? And then basically tried to talk about why it's important that I learn from there on out, why I move forward so that I'm able to have at least a coherent answer or some sort of purposeful thing because it communicates care for someone like you, my brother in Christ. Right. And it communicates that I want to be wise about what factually happened in the past mm. and move forward. So I actually wrote a couple things down. Okay. Um, so this is what I, I wanted to start with this. Proverbs 4, 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. It's very interesting the way it's written. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Wow. So inevitably ask the next question, what is wisdom? So I think for the purposes of our conversation, a wise person honors and learns from his past. That's what a wise person does. He refuses to let the most important facts about our shared and collective memory disappear into the depths of forgotten history. Hmm. Um, What happened in the past shapes and informs where we are heading in the future. And it's of very great importance to set aside a month for learning as much as we can about black history. So that's kind of what my thoughts were. And uh, 
it made me think intentionally about specifically Harriet Tubman, who was called the Moses of her people. <laughs> and um, I love that for several reasons, because even, you know, the New Testament constantly goes back to the Exodus and talks about how Jesus rescues us out of slavery mm-hmm. and how um, Harriet Tubman did that with the Underground Railroad, rescuing uh, black people out of slavery toward Canada and Mexico. And being a Moses type figure, mm-hmm. obviously as a believer, it just resonates with me on multiple levels. Mm. So uh, that's kind of what it means. To, I'm still in the beginning stages of trying to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And I'm deeply grateful for the fact that you asked me, but I really wanted to dive in with both of you, Marcus Holt, who works here with me at Family Life, Recap Gray, dear friend of mine, black pastor in Orlando. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, what does it mean to you? And then maybe a different question of why should it matter to your white brothers and sisters? Why should Black History Month matter to people who are white? Yeah, can I jump in, recap? Please, please. Okay, Shelby, I'm going to ask you a question. (laughs) No, I asked you a question. It's your turn to talk. Do you care about me? Of course I do, yes. How do I know you care about me? How do you know that I care about you? I take interest in you. You do. Yeah. You you do a really good job at that. Yeah, that's one way I can show that is be purposeful to take interest in you, ask you questions, learn about your life, uh, joke with you, share common out. We both love sneakers, things like that. (laughs) That's right. So you mentioned about being wise and seeking for wisdom. And I think you just caring so much about me, which I know for a fact you care about me. You learning about me and um, what's important to me makes you a wiser person because Mm -hmm. of my experience and even my ethnicity. You Mm -hmm. grow in that area. And uh, just you being able to understand, not necessarily agree or even fully comprehend exactly what I've been through or what I experienced is okay because your heart is there to learn and to grow wiser, and to just be a good friend to me. And you, you're you doing a great job, man. Yeah, like my, um, it's a loaded question, and my answer's kind of loaded. And Good, loaded. <laughs> I'm trying not to be super loaded, but, you know, obviously certain things you think about a lot longer, and this issue is something that, you know, I've been thinking about a really long time. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is, especially because we're talking about from the realm of Christ, uh, a lot of it begins theologically. So, um, I knew you would help me by answering this. Question. I love you, Recap. Love you. So, uh, the plan of salvation has always been geared towards God bringing together, um, all things under the banner, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why he is the name that is above all names. Almost like a book has a title. Um, all of creation will claim and glorify that name, Jesus. Mm. He will be the title page. Yes. And so uh, if all of creation exists like that, then all of humanity does as well. And since Genesis 12, God set in motion a plan that he would bless all of the nations, plural, through one seed, the seed of Abraham, which we know is the ultimately the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is the plan. God fulfills that plan by actually bringing Jesus on the scene. Yeah. And he does not only 
bless those who are of Jewish descent, but he also goes into various different lands and he begins to bless those who are beyond to the point where people around him are like, yo, what are you doing? This lady at the well, (laughs) Uh, why are you in this specific region? We don't need y'all here anymore. And so um, he's taking heat for that. And then he gives his mandate in Matthew 28, the great commission, as we call it, uh, that we would go out and make disciples of all nations Mm -hmm. so then it's like okay he gives the mandate what ends up happening well paul goes and takes this further peter has this vision and he says yo i now get it yeah (laughs) that there is now nothing partial when it comes to god so whatever god has called clean i must call clean as well and because of the work of the lord jesus christ even the gentiles are clean before him So then it's like, all right, the plan is set in motion. Does it actually get fulfilled? Revelation chapter seven, where all nations, tribes, tongues, and languages yes. around the throne of Christ, that banner name, that yeah. title page, yeah. singing his praises with one voice. Mm-hmm. So they are still nations. Yep. They are still tribes. They are still languages, but they have one singular voice. Who could put all of that together? Nothing but the spirit of unity, the one that Jesus prayed for in uh, John 17, what we call the high priestly prayer. Yeah. So I think to answer the question significantly, I would say, first off, we need a more robust biblical theology when it comes to the nation's period to even answer more specific questions for our American context. What does Black History Month mean to us? So now that you have that as a backdrop, a biblical theology of nations. Yes. Now in this American context, how do we apply that biblical theology of nations? Mm -hmm. Well, we care about the nations that exist within our very nation. Praise God that we have freedom of different nations coming here, what they would call a melting pot. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that pot don't really melt. It's almost like the frozen section, if you will, (laughs) where everything is still bifurcated, right? Yeah. And so... For us to see it really melted in the heat of the spirit, that unifying spirit that brings all of us together, we really do have to go back and do the hard work of looking at what got us here to the place where we're in our frozen various sections. And so I do think it's important to look back. um, But I also think for believers specifically, nothing changes until you see this fight as a necessity, not a novelty. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you? Yeah, you got to unpack that for me. So what does that mean? I think throughout Christian history, there have always been Christians who get really excited about this new thing. <laughs> yeah, and you could just really chronicle this all the way back to slavery days. Mm-hmm. Yo, really excited. Yeah, that'd be nice if slaves were treated a little bit better. <laughs> but the fight of abolition is a different kind of fight. Even during Drum Crow, there were churches like, yeah, I wish it wasn't as bad. But the fight of civil rights is a different fight. Mm-hmm. And so to really get in the game of the fight, if you will, and not for it to be just a novelty, an exciting thing, a, a fad that will one, one day fade, mm-hmm. it has to be a necessity. And why is it a necessity? It is because of the mandate of Scripture that we should be about all nations. But that all nationsness is not simply a declaration of a directive, go do but it's also understand. So Ephesians 3 is my pivotal passage where Ephesians 3, after Paul says that the whole church, the manifold wisdom of God Mm -hmm. is made known through the whole church. 
He then goes and praises God. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We get really excited. But then he says, so that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. Mm -hmm. The saints he just talked about showing off the manifold or multifaceted wisdom of God. So what Paul is saying is that it takes a multifaceted people to understand God's multifaceted grace. Mm. So for a believer, if I don't care about black history, if I don't care about the contributions, forget even the worldly stuff, of black Christians, Mm -hmm. I am missing, uh, here it is, I'm missing a face of grace that I need to comprehend for my own sanctification. And that's what's at stake uh, if we don't actually peer into Black History Month. Yeah, and I think too, like it was John Awanchekwa who said that God created us so we can't see the back of our own head. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so like yeah, why, why would we not yeah. be able to see, need other people to help us see the back, the spiritual backs of our heads? <laughs> so yeah. I'm butchering it, I'm sure. But that's basically what he talked about. We need other people to help us to see the areas in our lives where we are blind. Yeah. Now, I could go day to day and go, well, I'm not like hateful about this. It's fine that we have this month or it's fine that like you guys want to celebrate this stuff. But the you guys is a, is a me guys too, because (laughs) it's not a you guys. We are, we are members of a family Mm -hmm. and therefore we should care Mm -hmm. about our family. You are my brother in Christ. That's not just flowery language. You are my brother. We're not blood brothers, but we're closer than blood brothers. That's what Jesus said. These are my brothers and sisters when his siblings came to him. We are supposed to be closer than that. And yet, how often do we treat it like that? We just don't do it. Yeah, but Shelby, I would also say that there's black people out there who's saying, why are we still talking about the past? Why are we still talking about slavery? All this over and done with, you know, that stuff don't affect us anymore. <laughs> That's just wrong. Mm. And if we're not aware of our history as it pertains to even the last five years, the last 20 years, yeah. the last 40 years, yeah. then how can we advance as a society, especially mm. to point to Christ and give God the glory for all he's doing? Through our adversity. Yo, that point, though, and the point of family is so crazy pivotal. I want to bring to light a text that we all are familiar with, Romans 8. Romans 8 is a big-time passage. Oh, yeah. So Romans 8 is where a lot of famous quotations, there is therefore no condemnation (laughs) for those who are Mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus, the same spirit who raised him from the dead. And then all things work together for the good of those who love him. We are conformed to the image of his son, the predestination. I mean, you got so much. got it all memorized, apparently. (laughs) In Romans 8. (laughs) But Romans 8 then shifts. And it's almost as though, okay, like, you know, in the black church, you would pull out the Hammond B3, like everybody's mm-hmm. shouting at this point in time, right? Mm-hmm. But then it shifts because Paul recognizes that he's speaking to a people who will be persecuted for this faith. Mm. They're going to have to go through things. So he does something super interesting. He says, if God is for us, who is against us? And then he quotes Psalm 44. And it's in that place where it's, uh, we are like sheep uh, led to the slaughter all the day long. We are being killed for your namesake. Mm. It's a quotation from Psalm 44, which is literally a recollection of Jewish pain. 
It is a chronicling. If you read Psalms 44, it is a literal chronicle of all the things that the Jewish people have gone through mm-hmm. up until that point in time. Mm-hmm. But Paul's speaking of Romans. Mm. He is using his own Jewish people's pain and he's connecting it to this people who don't got nothing to do yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because the blood of Christ makes us blood family. Yeah. Yeah. So they get grafted into that yeah. pain as well. Yeah. yeah. And then this is where the connection of chapter nine comes in because the very next words after he does that is he says, but I wish that I myself were accursed for my own people according to the flesh. So here is Paul connecting these Romans who got nothing to do with Jewish pain into their Jewish pain. And then he's remembering his Jewish people who don't know the blood of Jesus yet. And he's saying, I wish that I was accursed so that those people, according to the flesh, this flesh and blood stuff Mm -hmm. would actually be grafted into the very thing you Romans are grafted into. That, (laughs) that web, if you will, that Paul is laying out in just two chapters. I ain't even (laughs) talking about the rest. In just two chapters. I think gives us a blueprint for the depth of the web that we need to have as believers in this nation. Mm. And if we can pursue that, it don't mean we're going to reach it, but if we could pursue that, what kind of conversations will we have in the month of February around black history? I think it'll be far deeper than how do you guys fry chicken? Preach. What are what are maybe some other things, Marcus, that we could do as black brothers and sisters, white brothers and sisters to start engaging in purposeful conversation, um, assuming that people are listening? Let's make the assumption that people are actually listening and not ignoring or just um, kind of nodding their head, pretending to listen. Does that make sense? Yeah. So one of the things I was thinking about, and I wrote it down, so it's, Celebrating Black History Month helps us to be better stewards of the privileges we've gained. Mm. Okay. Right? Yeah. So if we're sitting here thinking about Mm. what does black history have to do with me? Let's talk about the rights you and I have today. Mm. Let's talk about the homes and the vehicles you and I drive and live in today. Let's talk about the schools that we go to. Mm -hmm. Someone had to pay the price. Mm -hmm. And some of us right now looking for church homes. Mm -hmm. Mm. And there was obviously a division at one point where there had to be a black church mm-hmm. because that's the only church we had. Yeah, yeah. Here we are more than 100 years later. Some of us still, still feel like the only place we can go is to a black church. Wow. And there's trauma within the black church mm-hmm. as a black person. I'm saying this to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do we be good stewards knowing our history? What is our ultimate responsibility right now mm. as Christians to be mindful of the price that was paid mm. for the benefit of you and I? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a weight, man. That's weighty. Yeah, I think um, because you talk about trauma even within the black church and and just the pain of all of this and what it does for I mean, think about it, like all these things were done long before uh, some of us were born, but the effects and the implications continue, continue, continue. And therefore, if that's the case, then for our next immediate generation, the stakes are like super, super, super high. Um, 
I think for me, and it's just a personal thing maybe, um, but maybe it's more than that. I do really genuinely believe that we skip steps in the Christian church and then we find ourselves to square one all over again. Mm. And I believe the steps we skip is that we have divided out issues like race and justice from our theology. And as long as you keep doing that, even if you get excited about race and justice, but it's separated from your theology, you're still going to have to start back at square one at some point in time. And so until our race and justice philosophy actually is confronted by our theology mm-hmm. <laughs> and vice versa. Um, I really don't think that we have the tools it takes to overcome some of these things that we've seen. And we'll just keep doing, playing the same games. Yeah. And so um, I think that's the painful part of it is even as some people, I think the words you use shall be where people who are ready to listen, mm-hmm. listening's one thing, being willing to change one's mind about something they've held dear for so long is a totally different yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I think you've experienced it and talked about, yo, that's, it's shifting. Yeah. It shifts things. Your eyes are different. You yeah. see things different. Mm-hmm. And that process is something that I think a lot of people don't want to put their John Hancock on. Mm. And I think that's the most difficult part, even about these conversations. Because uh, I think some people are excited about the final photograph revelation seven but don't want to experience peter's suffering and the hard work yes yep like game shifting acts 10 moment where they have to have a brand new vision of how they see things so yeah um well i wanted to open the floor and ask you guys if there's anything else that you feel would be important for someone like me to learn or for the as you picture the 18 to 28 year old young person whether they be black white asian latino that you feel would be important for them to know maybe understand perhaps do um they could come straight from you guys whom i trust mm. deeply yeah and recap can i say this i want you to follow me but um, I want to say to that person who is thinking, okay, what can I do? Let me tell you what not to do. <laughs> so, don't, step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. Don't be that guy who says, oh, I have a black friend or my, my best friend is black. <laughs> and I understand there's some parts of the country where there's not too many black yeah. people. I get it. Yeah. But if there is African-Americans or other people of color in your proximity, be intentional. Let this year be your year of being intentional. Mm -hmm. Be intentional to engage with somebody that don't look like you. Like you and I were talking at the beginning of this, Shelby. Mm -hmm. You have to start learning people and actually knowing more than one person that you can say at the end of the year, oh, I had dinner with a person of color, more than one person of color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Start with that as a checkbox. Say, hey, I've, I have more than one black friend and I've done dinner with more than one Hispanic <laughs> friend, one Asian friend. Be intentional. Mm, that's good. Thanks, Marcus. What about you, Recap? Uh, I think it's really important who you hang with, who you do life with, who you call family. Uh, if your family are all people and it's not just look like 
because uh, I want to say that so clear, there's a distinction between multi-ethnicity and multicultural. Mm-hmm. You can have a whole bunch of different colors in the room, but they mm-hmm. all think the exactly yeah. the same yeah, yeah. and feel the same about various different topics that come up. Uh, you know, I call it like the Fruit Loop effect of like <laughs> fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> it's all one flavor. Yeah, uh, fruit Loops are all, all the different same. colors, one flavor. <laughs> same exact flavor. Uh, but, you know, they, they look, loops, it though. looks yeah. amazingly diverse. Yeah, <laughs> but you are eating the same flavor every time yeah. you pop one in your mouth, and so um, so there's a massive distinction between a bowl of fruit loops and a bowl of fruit. Mm-hmm. And when you have a bowl of fruit, when you got watermelon and strawberries and mango and you know what I'm saying cherries, all of it, yep. blueberries, man, it feels like yo, I'm experiencing something robust, radical, different. And so I would say, yo. Get yourself in a in a bowl of fruit and mm-hmm. not just a bowl of fruit loops. Like they're available out there. Second thing, man, let the text do the talking. Yes. God's heart for not only diversity in general, but I'll just say straight up, the black people is stronger than any black person's heart for the black people. Mm-hmm. Always has been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was in the game of diversity long before we was even talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, we say, you know, different places like he do this, like he do this, <laughs> like this is what he do. <laughs> so let's not think ourselves super smart. I think it was C.S. Lewis who coined the term chronological, chronological snobbery. snobbery. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where, you, where you look back on the past and think just because it is the past that they somehow were dumber than you. Stop. Like, let's get off our high horse. He was on, in this game far before we were ever in it. And if he can bridge the gap between Jews and Gentiles with all of the theological and historical division there, then certainly he got a game plan for solving the problem of any divisions we might face in America. And the solution is always the same. It is the gospel of that Lord Jesus Christ who rose from the dead victoriously, reigns on the throne, will return, and he will bring all nations to himself. So, yo, let's keep our eyes in that book and on that person. And I think we'll find ourselves in a different place. Amen. I I got nothing better to say than that. That is the absolute perfect way to end this. Mad respect for both of you guys. Deeply appreciate you. Thank you for being my brothers. Thank you for being patient with me. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to have this conversation with you. So important. Well, thanks for um, thinking the best of us. Indeed. Indeed. To my Christian brothers and sisters of any ethnicity, I'd ask that you consider the question this February, what does Black History Month mean to me? And then sit down with a trusted friend or two and dialogue about it together. But again, I'll let it end there because I don't think it could be concluded any better than the way Recab did it. If this episode with Recab and Marcus was helpful for you, I'd love for you to share today's podcast with a friend. And wherever you get your podcasts, It could really advance what we're doing with Real Life Loading if you'd rate and review us. And it's surely easy to find us on our social channels. Just search for Real Life Loading or look for our link tree in the show notes. I want to thank everyone who's on the Real Life Loading team. Josh, Chloe, Jarrett, Bruce, and Caitlin. I'm Shelby Abbott. I'll see you back next time on Real Life Loading. Real Life Loading is a production of Family Life a crew ministry, helping you pursue the relationships that matter most.